The Retail Ready Podcast is proudly sponsored by Botanica Blends. Straight from the Wizard's Cauldron, we stock delicious plant protein for the likes of our famous vanilla cake batter and caramelized popcorn. We've got desserts like our dreamy jelly, vegan custard, and our latest date-free protein bars. We are currently offering 20% off to all Retail Ready podcast listeners until the end of October. So head on down to botanicablends.com.au and use the code READY20 at the checkout. Thanks and enjoy the podcast. Welcome back everyone to the Retail Ready podcast and today I have a guest on board so it's not just me. Um, I've actually been getting a bit of feedback recently that you're actually enjoying just the ones uh, with me on the microphone so apologies if you're getting used to that because today I am joined by Adam Zuccetti who is the founder of Pause and All and welcome to the show Adam. Thank you Ben, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you very much. And where where are you based in the world? So I am based on Sydney's North Shore, actually. Beautiful. Enjoy enjoying your freedom. I hope. Uh, it is an interesting time, obviously, but uh, you basically make do with what you've got. Absolutely amazing. Absolutely. Well, this is a bit different uh, because we we deal a lot with food brands, uh, food manufacturers, and beverage um, brands. Today we're stepping into a world that. I have also dipped my toes into and currently dipping my toes into, but you've dipped it in big time and you're the founder of Pause and All, which is, what would you call it, a dog subscription-based service? Yeah, so we do um, subscription boxes and gift boxes for dogs. We're starting with dogs, but uh, we, we will sort of gradually expand into other types of pets as well. Awesome. And I'm just going to start by going... How, how did it come about? Like, tell us the the starting journey, and then we'll we'll talk about how I'm uh, I'm now emailing you guys back and forth, and how the the relationships blossomed. But I'm I'm all keen, and I'm sure the listeners are, as to hear more about pause and all, and this I'd call it an innovative kind of business model, um, which is only growing in strength to strength, to be honest. So, yeah, over to you, Adam. Yeah, so I guess like all good uh, all good business ideas, ours arose out of personal need. Um, we had three dogs at the time. Sadly, we lost one a couple of months ago. Um, but they were all sort of different ages, different sizes. We had two different breeds and very, very distinctive personalities for each of them, you know, as any dog owner would appreciate. Um, but we found that shopping for them was a really, really painful experience. Um, if we went in store, we'd have a half hour trip out there. Um, we'd have to go to several stores just to find everything that we needed for all three of them. Um, and then another sort of half hour drive back home again with fully laden car. That was half the Saturday gone. Um, if we were sort of going online instead, we'd still basically spend the same amount of time. You know, you'd be trawling through different websites, you'd be comparing products, you'd be trying to find things that are relevant for each of them. It was just such a such a time-consuming exercise. And we were also really frustrated that just practically everything in the pet space was wrapped in plastic. There was just so much plastic everywhere. And it seemed like a lot of other um, aspects of retail had really come on board with with trying to tackle the plastic problem and be more sustainable in the packaging, but it just didn't seem to really exist in the pet space at all. Um, so they, that was really sort of um, challenging for us, and we thought, well, there has to be an easier way. There has to be some uh, sort of different concept, and we came across the um, the subscription model, 
And um, we sort of looked at it and in Australia, it, it was sort of just starting off. There were a couple of sort of small players, um, nothing w- with any real scale here. And um, I think that the the players here had also done sort of a, they were very basic in their offering. You know, it, it was very sort of um, set and forget for everybody. Everyone gets the same kind of thing for that particular month. And I thought, well, we want a lot more customised because getting sort of something for our dogs, we know that the same thing doesn't fit for each of them. So getting three boxes with the, the same stuff is irrelevant. It's a waste of money. Most of that would end up probably in landfill at the end of the day. Um, so we, we came across the, um, the subscription model in the pet space is really big in the US actually. And um, there are a couple of, of players over there and they've got hundreds of thousands of customers and they're doing quite well. But even they, I don't think they've got the, the customization um, really there. So we kind of wanted to play on, I suppose, the Netflix, you know, Netflix yeah. and Amazon. You buy something or you watch something and you get recommendations. You know, people who've watched this also like this one. People who've bought that enjoy these similar products because there are sort of linkages and commonalities and they can tell based on your previous histories what you're more yeah. likely to want. And we thought, well, why can't we apply that to the pet space? So true. That's, re- that's really fascinating. Yeah, because you. You touch on yeah the Amazon effect and like coming from the UK like Amazon was just huge like ten years ago and I used to be going I used to get emails every week and I was like how do they know that I wanted that like that is and it's so clever the algorithms and the, the like the personalised aspects feel and what you're doing is turning it into the pet space which. Do you find that you need to have a dog to understand how much people pay for dogs? Definitely, definitely. <laughs> you know, dog owners just get it. I think there's even a hashtag on Instagram like that, dog owners just get it. And, um, yeah, for, for anyone who really owns a dog and really loves their dog, it's not just a, a pet or a belonging or an accessory. You know, the, the dog is very much a part of the family. Mm-hmm. And so you do, like any other child or any other family member, you do spoil them, you do love them, you do treat them. And money really isn't that much of an object when it comes to that. That's interesting because we had um, Snack Proud on this show uh, and we've had Snackwise that talk about kind of the, the personalised aspect from a snacking box, but we've never had anyone talking about like a a box service or a personalized subscription service for for four-legged dogs so it's really interesting that you're tapping into a i'm calling it a niche market but i think people forget how big kind of the pet industry in that market actually is so it's not really too niche and how have you found kind of the early days and then please uh, explain kind of like the process since from like the starting up building a business and like kind of just generating that awareness to to new customers well it's i suppose it's still an ongoing journey i don't know that uh, you ever stop that journey but i suppose to start with we we almost had some resistance here um particularly with some suppliers actually they just didn't kind of understand what we were trying to do and i think Putting it out there, having a few customers, a few success stories and things like that really does help um, describe what you're trying to do and, and what is the, the end product at the end of the day, I suppose. Um, so it has been working with suppliers very closely. 
But another part of our, our business model is to actually um, support Australian made wherever possible. So we want uh, Australian products. We want to support local, small Australian businesses, that kind of thing. And they have generally been much more receptive to our concept um, because we're providing an opportunity for them to get in front of dog owners. So their, their products can actually get out there to customers that they wouldn't necessarily be able to reach um, that, you know, the, the major pet stores, Amazon, the likes of that, they're too small to be able to, to sell into those. So they're kind of caught in the, this damned if we do, damned if we don't scenario where they, they struggle to actually reach a lot of customers and we can basically connect them um, and connect them to customers who are really going to love and appreciate their products, not just anyone just because they have a dog. That's interesting. And do you find that there is a specific box that, uh, generates more volume than others or kind of because you must be you must have a lot of dog insights now which is which is powerful in itself like do you, do you use that data to kind of then personalize boxes in the future yes very much so so i suppose part of um the data that we use is more generic about breeds so you know what the breed has you know about their you know their coats and grooming requirements their general size um, the general life expectancy. There's a lot of sort of data and endpoints that you can have from that. But then we also try to get our customers to give us some information as well so that you can you can customise it that little bit more. It's yeah. not just about a Border Collie. It is about this particular Border Collie named Fred or whoever um, and what they like and what they need, what they enjoy, those kind of things. So it's very much bringing those two different aspects of data together to provide a really customised product that, puts the the customer the dog first yeah now i find it fascinating because i like i launched in may this year as you know because we've been emailing uh, back and forth and doggy licious is now one of the products that yeah you kindly took onto your uh kind of platform and into the boxes so i've actually been seeing a few photos on social media with the old doggy licious uh, products in there so it's uh, yeah it's, it's absolutely fantastic to see but like i i I've not put that much attention on the online platform, which is basically a completely different route to what you guys are doing. I'm, I've been focusing on kind of growing accounts because it is a, a product that can go on the shelf, whereas your product is a product that needs to be shipped and sent to someone's home. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's interesting when you say about the personalized aspect because I try and collect like when an online purchase goes through, I try and collect who is the dog that's receiving like the cookies. And I try and put that dog's name on the actual, you know, the box that it's going to. Yep. And I've not had any feedback yet so far, but I'm intrigued to see like if, if someone gets a box and it's like for the attention of Ralph or uh, Bonnie or whatever dog name people um, have ordered for it's, it is part of the family. Like dogs are literally just like, I've spent more money on my two dogs than I have on my daughter. Um, <laughs> hopefully she doesn't listen back to these podcasts because like people joke, but it's, it, it's honestly true. Like this, my dog alone this year like, has been in one operation already. It's had a couple of grooms. I think in the last six months, my dog has cost me five grand and like we're still paying off the vet bills but 
you just kind of go, people spend money on these products. And I just love the opportunity that you guys have gone for um, with this kind of idea. Where where do you see it growing? Where do you see your business kind of expanding into? Or do you feel that it's, it's just an evolution of what you're doing? I think it is a constant evolution. Um, we we soft launched in February this year. Mm. And um, it's funny that you sort of mentioned the online versus offline because our initial plan at that stage was actually to do a lot of um, markets, agricultural shows, that kind of thing, yeah. getting in front of dog owners. And yeah. we had what we called a doggy bag. And um, our brand operates under the philosophy of eat, play, love. So we were giving people the choice. We had a couple of products for each different, uh, for eat, for play, for love. And they could actually choose what was most relevant. So it was a very basic concept of the customization. But actually putting that in front of people so that they could see what we were trying to do, we could uh, sort of get their, their feedback and things like that. Um, and then COVID obviously hit. Um, so the Royal Easter Show in, in Sydney was out. Um, other events and things like that were out as well. So we very much had to look quite strongly to the, the online space. Um, so I think that it is very much still about, there's a lot of education, I think, around subscriptions in general that aren't to do with, you know, like your content or your, your phone bill or anything like that. Um, I think there's a lot of areas that subscriptions are now beginning to to go into, but they're still kind of testing the waters. Customers are still a bit unsure. So there is a lot of education to go around that. Um, in obviously the, the month since COVID, we've actually found that a lot of people have been really interested in sending one-off boxes. So not necessarily a, a themed box for a birthday or we just had Dog Father Day for, for Father's Day. Um, but a lot of people were sending a box just because they couldn't see family or friends, you know, someone was in lockdown or whatever. So it was just a nice little way of saying, hey, I'm thinking about you. Here's a nice little pack for your dog. Um, hope you guys have some fun together with that. And there was quite a lot of that going on. So it's really made us um, want to to grow and, and expand the gifting space. That's really awesome. Yeah, I've, I've, what I've noticed over the last few months is, yeah, literally – people are buying for other people because yeah, there's that kind of slight income that they're not wasting on nights out and stuff. And that's awesome that people are buying for other people's dogs and just kind of enjoying that enjoyment. Cause I, I know a couple of my mates um, keep buying each other McDonald's and they keep getting, they keep, <laughs> they keep getting hamburgers turning up to the house and they're going, <laughs> who, who, who's, who's ordered the McDonald's for me? And it, it's, it's now just one continuous joke that there's, yeah, there's several McDonald's just being ordered on a weekly basis and no one knows who's ordering it for who. So uh, it's, it's nice that people are buying from uh, your business and it's actually being, being used for a purpose, which is awesome to hear. What what I want to ask, and I, I ask this to a lot of kind of starting up brands, is what are the biggest hurdles that you face to date and kind of what would you have changed if you could do it again? Uh, the, I think the biggest challenge, uh, as any e-commerce business would, would probably say, has been around the, uh, the logistics and the deliveries. Um, that's never really an easy thing to do. And then you throw COVID over the top and parcel volumes just went through the roof. Mm. And that meant that delivery times were blowing out um, on both ends. So we were getting delays on stock coming in. We were getting deliveries just going MIA altogether. There was one that we had just disappeared for a month. And yeah. um, so all of these things you're, you're sort of trying to make do. And then you've got 
sort of product going out as well um, and potential delays there. So you very much need to, to sort of play on the messaging around that, I think, and do your best. And everyone knows that these are sort of unprecedented times. As long as you do your best, and as long as you say, hey, look, we're experiencing some delays. We're really sorry about this. Um, you might even be able to put sort of a, a bit of a sweetener in um, to alleviate any sort of frustration. Yeah. But just being honest with it and, and saying, look, this is happening. This is what we're trying to do to, to mitigate it as much as possible. But please be aware that uh, there will be delays. Yeah, no, I've, I've, I feel exactly the same. Like I sent an order. Well, I sent two orders um, two weeks ago. Uh, no, sorry, three weeks ago. And it took 14 days to go one was only going to go six kilometers mm-hmm. and normally i would put it would have I've, I've done it a few times to try and uh, every dollar counts as you are fully aware um i've pretended to put a high visibility jacket on and actually pretended to be the courier driver and but the issue is uh because we're in melbourne we've got a five kilometer radius um lockdown so i was like you know what i don't want to risk if i'm out of my five kilometers i was like i'll i'll use australia post but it, yeah it took two weeks to arrive which again it kind of kills that enjoyment i find that people when they go on like especially like doggy licious and go on your site i think there's kind of a, an excitement that oh, we can't wait for this box to arrive and it, it's fresh and exciting. And if someone has to wait two weeks or in like in your case, a, a month, it, it, it puts that kind of negative spin on it. And it's a shame because, yeah, it's not like a piece of clothing that you kind of go, oh, I'll happily wait. This is actually a piece of kind of, I don't know, a, a piece of emotion that you want to share as quick as possible, which, uh, yeah, which hopefully uh, resolves pretty pretty quickly yeah and then i think if you uh sort of buying a gift for somebody else there's almost an added layer because you've got that anticipation of i've paid for something i want it to be delivered but if it's going to someone else you've got that kind of added excitement you want their feedback you want their their enjoyment their photos and everything like that and if it doesn't come you're like "Mm, it's really (laughs) deflating it's so true you can yeah that little dopamine's kicking in you're just like oh this is going to be great and yeah before you know you're sending several emails going can i get a refund which which can kill a few businesses, and I don't know how you feel about that, but I'm I'm very cautious when it comes to yeah the delivery and also sending samples. Like I'm um, like at the end of the day, I talked about this in another podcast where a, a cost that I didn't um, kind of look into in too much detail, and I should have, was the amount of samples that you have to send to kind of generate business. How do you find that you have to kind of sell a lot to get a lot or do you just see it as people kind of go, yep, that's what I want, I'll buy? Um, what's your views on that? Um, good question. I We don't really have a lot going out in the way of samples, mm. um, I suppose, because we're not a, a product maker in the traditional sense. We're not having to sell that. But I think that um, our major sort of cost around that is around the education piece. You know, yeah. we hear this is the service we're offering. These are the the kind of things you can sort of expect. So there's a lot goes into sort of marketing and things like that to to raise awareness of, of our concept and our offering. Yeah. And with that with that awareness, like, do you pump money into your awareness? Because I think these are these are topics that a lot of startups kind of don't anticipate. Like. 
I had one option where it was like, okay, I can I can pay like for sponsored ads and um, advertisement to drive to the to the online platform. But I was like, what is that rate of return? Kind of what what would that do long term? And I've kind of stepped away from that. What what's your views on that? From being yeah, literally a startup business in the same position. It's um it's interesting because I before this I've been a journalist for many years and I was the editor of a uh, a small business publication called My Business. Yeah. And at one point uh, over the years, I remember someone giving really good advice, and it was be careful of the money you spend on social media advertising because it looks like a small dollar amount. You know, it might be five bucks here, ten bucks there, kind of thing. But if you're doing that every day that really, really quickly adds up and you tend to have quite poor visibility over that cost. So um, the advice was just keep really close eye on what you're spending on those social media ads so that your marketing budget does not sort of completely blow you out of the water. So I've been really mindful of that kind of advice and trying to sort of test the water, I suppose, and see are we getting return on this or not, you know, which kind of platforms work best for us um, different platforms kind of deliver best with, with or resonate best with different audiences as well. So it is very much a lot of trial and error, just seeing what works and what doesn't, um, rather than having any sort of fixed dollar amount, this is what we're allocating to Facebook this month or anything like that. Yeah, interesting, interesting. And I'm going to kind of, yeah, kind of finish off with, have you enjoyed the journey to date? Like, are you are you enjoying what you've built, and is it what you expected um, that it would turn into? I think anyone who's ever gone into business will know that everything takes twice as long and costs twice as much as you expect. <laughs> so I don't think that my journey is uh, is any different from that. Um, but really rewarding and really interesting. You can get some really big surprises along the way and you can be quite sort of well-defined in what you're trying to do, your concept, your target market, everything like that. And then something comes from left field and you're like, oh, actually, we hadn't considered them as a, as a potential customer, but that's where the bulk of our sales are going to. Or, you know, there's different things that crop up like that. So you need to be really nimble and uh, adapt as you go along. So... One of our big learnings has been we wanted to push the uh, the subscription model very hard. Um, but I think particularly with our, our um, experience with COVID and the, the gifting side of things, it's made us want to, to go really hard into the gifting space. Um, so that's what we're doing now. We're developing a lot of different uh, sort of themed gift offerings. So we just had the Dog Father gift box for Father's Day. Um, currently planning Christmas and a, a birthday box and a few other things that we've got in the pipeline as well. Um, but trying to sort of capture that and, and leverage the experiences that we've had today to really sort of perfect our offering and give the customers more of what they obviously want. Yeah, that's really interesting. But yeah, literally Christmas will be here around the corner and yeah, there'll, there'll be a few dogs sitting there waiting for uh, waiting for their goodies um, and people will be buying for them. So that, that's a fantastic kind of, yeah, niche market in a huge market, which I think you put it uh, the other day, where is it like a $13 billion industry that's just growing? I think it's like double digit growth every year, which is just incredible. So yeah, people are definitely spending on their dogs and hopefully they're spending it with an awesome business like Paws and All. For for everyone who's listening and wants to know more about your business, like where's the best place to send them? Um, I know pawsandall.com 
uh, .au is your website, which has all your boxes, uh, and that's pause with an N, yep. all.com.au, which, uh, which is great because, uh, yeah, I love your little logo. It's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, we, we came across a fantastic designer. Um, we actually sort of outsourced that, and um, the designer's based in South America. Um, but he really just understood the brand and the concept and what we were trying to do. And we, we just kind of fallen in love with his work. So we, uh, we, we stay with him and, and use him for everything, which has been really good. It's not through Fiverr or someone like that, is it, that you, that you utilize these people through? It was. We actually yeah. met initially through one of them. I can't remember which platform it was, but it was something like that. Uh, we, we were sort of looking at local designers and things. Um, and it was just this particular guy, um, he had a lot of experience in the pet space and he just kind of resonated with us, um, yeah. which was fantastic. Fiverr is one of the best websites. Uh, it has literally been a lifesaver for about five or six different projects of mine. So it's, it's, I always, when people say outsource, I'm like, I wonder if they used Fiverr because it, it just seems to be the go-to place to find absolute gem of people that can deliver a great job in the most unexpected, and like unexpected circumstances mm. so that's cool so you've got pause and all where where else can you direct people um to hopefully go and buy a box for either someone or their own dog because yeah there's six million of them in australia so i'm sure people know someone with a dog yeah so the website is the best place to go we're also on uh, social media so our hashtag is at pause and all pets so that's us on instagram and facebook um but yeah definitely hit up the website Awesome. Well, absolutely appreciate your time and I appreciate that you've given Doggylicious a try. So really, really would love to see how that goes and uh, any feedback that you get. But fantastic on bringing an innovative kind of business model to the market. And I wish you all the success in the world. Thanks very much, Ben. And same to you. Uh, we're really enjoying the uh, the Doggylicious cookies, actually. They've gone down well with our labs, that's for sure. Yeah. That's what I like to hear and hopefully uh, hopefully a few more on the way. So that yeah. sounds good to me. 